0: Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of D-Godcast, the podcast by d for D-Gens. Today is May 10th. It's JB, part of your, your duo of hosts today. Uh, Slate's MacBook got a little too geeked up in Puerto Rico and didn't make it back in one piece. So the kid is out running a stepping marathon now, trying to, uh, to get a replacement on that. So me and the kid chapter today, holding it down. We got Jeff... Quatenitz. Did I, did I hit that right, Jeff? Sorry, I should ask beforehand.
1: No, shockingly, that was perfect.
0: Let's go. Nailed it. Uh, Jeff Quatenitz in the studio today to talk big three, uh, talk about what it's like to be wealthy and successful in real life versus uh, behind Twitter fingers like us degenerates. But at first, a word from our sponsor. Degenerates
2: from all around the world. NFT projects, and one-on-one one artists from every corner of the Solana and Web3 ecosystem have placed their trust in the premier manufacturer of handmade acrylic glass displays. As seen on the Gods Dusty's Raffle, with countless collaborations with OG Solana projects such as Soul Sunsets, Bounty Hunter Space Guild, Doge Capital, Kingdom of Dwarves, and soon, a very stoned crew of apes. DGEN Displays physically mince your favorite JPEGs into captivating centerpieces for your bedroom or living room walls. Each display grants you the unique opportunity to red pill your guests, flex on them, or simply avoids you the trouble of checking your phantom wallet every five minutes to admire your most prized NFTs. To learn more, visit degendisplays.com or follow DGEN Displays on Twitter. And one last thing. Screenshot this ad timestamp, and at Dejan Displays on Twitter for a chance to win a special prize from Dejan Displays. Good luck!
0: All right, chapter. Hit him with the decap.
2: <clears throat> all right, <clears throat> yo. Uh, just want to say shout out to Refined Bob and all the bros with rolls doing a sublime job defending the spot and derugging the Discord this week. Motherfuckers got to get these characters off. Salute. But for the recap, first, Francisco dropped the State of the Union last week, addressing the FUD future and the facts about all this dope shit that's ongoing and moving forward in the motherfucking to God universe. Uh, Let's see, fam, dropped the whole thing in a short series of like minute long PowerPoint ish clips with the narration on Twitter because we all know motherfuckers don't read bullets was bullish. Y'all might have not seen this shit because the release of this presentation That covered topics like branding, the seasonal merch flood, and the reiteration of the simplicity of dust tokenomics. Pretty much coincided with wild motherfuckers on the internet charting their visions like Nostradamus and posting targets on all this motherfucking blood in the streets and hella fingers pointing fingers everywhere trying to identify whatever the fuck broke the markets this week. Alexa play is going down by Young Jock. (laughs) Uh, Nah, but uh, we'll link the address in the description below. Secondly, Roadmap 3.33. Came to fruition and was released, showcasing artists or how artists can execute a fucking map with cryptic and ambiguous precision for the streets to speculate on. Bro, there was so much shit. But, yo, this large, thought provoking depiction was given with zero instructions, though there were some things deciphered. In this roadmap, words were hidden, and once discovered and combined through motherfucking willpower and conviction. Some embedded treasure was actually extracted from this infographic. And by treasure, I mean, 9,999 dust, bruh. Yo, salute to the dedicated swashbuckling computer pirate Guios, who looked at the map and said, oh, the booty is free. Pause. But yo, we link in the roadmap and his thread in the description because there's dead ass not enough calories in my body for me to understand or explain that shit. But well played. Finally, the plot thickens. As the squad girth continues to grow. <laughs> uh, yo, shout out uh, the homie scum. He was officially inducted into the core team this week. You know the vibes. Dead gods. Check the one-on-one scene if you unfamiliar with the savage art. And if you on that Patrick Star living under a fucking rock, stop by episode three of the Godcast and get smart. Also, shout out my man's Buddhas. Always working on shipping shit, all polished and shine. As head of product design. Salute to my guy, Otablum. Another one of the guys who joined in the grind full time. Fucking bullish on Dior. Also, big shout out to our new associate editor, the fucking Mickey master Giga gigabrain Matt.Soul officially joined the Godcast team. If you listen to this in your car, punch that steering wheel and honk your horn for the boys. One honk equals one respect. In other news, we got to talk about motherfuckers pulling up from the four. That's big three talk. As more fireball teams unite with more communities, which means more hands to hold these motherfucking L's when they get delivered by these motherfucking killer threes. When the season starts next month, these fucking threes coming. But, yo, we got someone who know a little too much about the big three league in the building. And like always, we don't give financial advice on this show. Entertainment only. And especially today, we also don't give legal advice on the show. Let's fucking go
0: let's fucking go well done as always another wonderful week and a lot to talk about the only thing you missed and I know y'all are sick of me talking about it but Mickey's staking went live Mickey D God's in the house represent gotta do it or I lose my job Uh, our producer put together their staking site so respect to that Uh, seriously just dust Okay, um, I just, I mean, it's fine. I've just never seen anyone dust that fast, as all. Get your dust game going, boys. <laughs> Let's go. So, like I said, though, uh, we've got Big Three co-founder uh, and OG manager to the stars, Jeff Quatinitz, with us today. Jeff, how's it going, boss?
1: It's going good. How are you guys doing?
0: I'm fantastic. We actually do have Slate. I don't know whose MacBook he stole to get in here, but welcome, brother.
3: Hello. Can you guys hear me?
0: Hey, are you good? All right. Beautiful. Perfect. I Let's ride. speaking
2: Spanish, bro, but yeah, what we're you <laughs>
0: Um. All right. So I'm actually going to let you pick how we start this off, Jeff. Do you want to start with big three and the splash that y'all have been making in crypto lately? Or do you want to go in chronological order and do you want to start with a little bit of background and some Hollywood talk?
1: background with some hollywood uh, hmm, interesting those are uh, all those are all very interesting uh, topics Wait, but this is your you're the guy in charge all
0: right all right well i'll tell you what we'll start with big three because you know that's what the people uh, our listeners know so we'll start there and then i got some fun questions for you at the end of the show then all right cool okay so The first thing uh, that I want to see if you can kind of uh, inform us about is we want to know how these uh, big NFT project partnerships have been going down. Like DGods was the first one to get on board. We've now seen Bored Apes. We've seen Moonbirds, uh, V Friends. Can you give us a little behind the scenes, a little insight on how NFTs got into the big three game and specifically these big projects?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, sports, sports is really like, it's its own community, you know, and people have always organized sports around, around geography. So California Angels, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, New York Knicks, you know, Chicago Bulls, you get it. So it's always geography. And, you know, that's cool. But over time, well, well let me take a step back so when you grow up in a city people learn to root who for who their dads or, or granddads rooted for i don't know maybe the mom yeah. times yep. right but and, and your neighbors rooting for the same team and everyone's wearing the jerseys from the same team and you, you have this sense of community based on your physical community and with the advent of uh fantasy sports people started to uh, you know it, it was a great thing at first like you look at the NFL how much you know money how you know how important that was to them the uh you know fantasy sports by the way a little a little interesting tidbit on that is that the NFL used to pay CBS to host their fantasy sports yeah and the CBS platform is terrible yeah but and eventually they realized wait a second why are we paying these motherfuckers to, to, to make a million, do- to make a billion dollars a year on this shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are data and everything. Um I'm not the curse, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's all okay, good. Yeah. Don't want to offend anybody. Um So, um Yeah, you know, it, it became a big business, but people started following players, you know, and it was more about players. And then, you know, I, I, I'm ancient enough to remember when, like the games he got were like the national games you know mm-hmm. and, and look, like i was lucky i was an oakland raiders fan and actually in 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 the 70s but i'm not that ancient but the 80s you know early 80s late 70s they were like the they were the most winningest team in all sports so i got to see them a lot which was good um then you have sports bars would put satellites on the tv so you could see them but for years, you could only see the team that you wanted. There was no direct ticket, you know, mm-hmm. sports package or any of that shit. And there certainly wasn't an internet to, to see stuff on or hear stuff on. So once that's, once you can get all the games, that also started to whittle away at it. And then as, as players were bigger national stars, you know, LeBron takes his talents to Miami. A lot of people followed LeBron, you mm-hmm. know. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay, hijacks a couple of his old players. You know, a lot of people in New England watching Tampa Bay Bucks, and not it, it couldn't be two more places, more different than uh, than New than Boston and uh, and Tampa Bay. Trust me, you know. So, but people so would follow people, so that would start to break that down, and you get to a point where. I think COVID may have even put that on, on, on steroids. So now people aren't even living where they're working. There's all kinds of remote stuff going on. So when we started the league, we thought, you know what? The younger generation cares more about players. Let's not have cities. Let's not have, you know, like a city wakes up one day, you know, like in the XFL. They wake up one day and all of a sudden they have a team in Birmingham. It's like, Why is anyone going to care about that? Now, to their credit, they got like 40,000 people to a Seattle game. For the life of me, I, I couldn't understand how they were able to get forty thousand people to go and scream about a team they never heard of a year before. But they pulled it off, but they weren't able to pull it off in a lot of cities. So we left that open. So for years, Cube and I used to think, what would be the organizing principle? Like maybe you have all the short guys on one team, maybe you have all the guys <laughs> you now who are badasses and got, you know, thrown out of the NBA. But you know, all the white dudes on one team. Yeah, (laughs) like if we, if if this, if this was a a hundred years ago, it'd be real easy because then we would do a bunch of racist shit and have all the (laughs) teams. But uh, obviously can't do that anymore and never, probably never should have. But, you know, so when this came around and we started thinking about, you know, how do you get fans closer to players? I mean, I... We're fans. Cuban and I are, 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 are we're fans of a lot of things, but we both love football and, and basketball, and so we know, you know, what it, what it's like to be a fan. I mean, you know, I got lucky. I, I made enough money that I was able to to live my my life's dream. My, my dad never took me to a Knicks game. We lived in Brooklyn, then we lived in New Jersey. He went to tons of them. He used to go to New York Islanders. He never took me to a game, but I would watch all the games, and I would come home. He'd come home. I'd tell. I memorized the box score. I knew all this stuff. I'm such a diehard Knicks fan. And by the way, that's that's. I'm I'm, I'm looking for some empathy here. I'm looking for some.
0: I, <laughs> yeah. Hi, are you still a diehard Knicks fan? That was my question.
1: I mean, Dolan makes it tough, but I'll tell, but I'll tell you this. I am, and, you know, 30 years ago is one thing, but, like, now I have to face the prospect that I might die never seeing the Knicks win again. Yeah. I was, like, seven years old when they won in 73. It's like, no one said, man, you better not pick this team. They might not win for 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I am a fan. I've never been a Fairweather fan, and... I love that team. I love Oakland Raiders. That seemed like the smarter of choices for a little while. Um, then it got really dark, and bad. Maybe, uh, maybe find a way up. Um, but getting back to it, you know, we started to realize what about communities? Communities used to be Chicago and and you know, and Baltimore, but now communities are communities that happen online. Communities are not you know, where where your mom's womb was when you came out, it's like where you desire to go, you know, the group that you have affinity towards that represents what you represent. So how cool, how powerful would that be? So while we were doing, came up with this idea to take these 12 teams and, you know, give people all kinds of ownership-like experiences and, and, and get people close to you know to the players to the coaches so they could they could feel it they could feel part of it um, what i was saying before i got lucky enough that i lived my dream i got i got i had four floor side seats at the garden to the mix. and man it was cool and like spike lee he's so jealous of me man because i swear to god it, i was the first high five he was number two but I uh, <laughs> see. I was gonna say something about Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I swear to God, he was—he was—he acted like a little jealous bitch, man. <laughs> 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 I hope he doesn't this, but I mean, what more, more could he? You know, uh, oh, but, I'm gonna send him the episode. You know, <laughs> man, I was on that court, and I would go to—I would go to games. I had a a cheat sheet that had the, the, all the refs, their numbers, and their names. So I knew all their names, and I, like, I'd like call them by their names. And when you're on the floor, you, know, you ever see, like, the coaches yelling down to the other side, and you're like, why oh, is that guy yelling? He can't hear. There's 18,000 people here. But the way an acoustics work in an arena, you can hear everybody on the floor. So I made use of that. That's why the guys like me. And, and, and you know, Amari Amar Stoudemire and... Uh, and, and Mellow and stuff. I, I got real involved, you know, working the rest for them. And, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it was it was real fun, man. But I felt part of the game. Now, was I really getting the calls? I thought I was getting maybe one or two of them. I did have to come over and tell me I was right on some stuff. A few times they yelled at me and told me I didn't know what I was talking about. Need to take a few weeks off and go study the rule book, but, um, it was, it was a different feeling, you know, for me being there. And I know people feel that, um, and then when you get to meet, meet these guys, you know, and, and, you know, for me, the, the drag was like the drag was Dolan. He, he was a drag on the team. They weren't having fun. That's why I got rid of my, my tickets. Cause yeah. at some point I said, and I had the greatest time I had it for like 10 years it was so great. And, and that's when I was living in New York. You know, I had a place in New York. I was living in L.A. and New York, going back and forth. But I, I, I'd scared, do all my scheduling around the Knicks games. <laughs> I, I mean, I really did. Like when one of the security guys found out it was from uh, L.A., he like, was like, whatever, dude. We don't believe you. Because <laughs> like, I, 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 one year I made 36 out of the 41 home games in the regular jeez you know? and uh, they
0: take the PJ at all those games they take who the PJ the private jet
1: no I don't have a private jet man
4: oh sorry to hear that
1: <laughs> I I, I, I a couple times I could have I could have made some money selling uh some companies but uh didn't believe and I didn't believe in it I didn't believe I in the models sure. that they were doing and uh you know, Cube and I, you know what? We've been together for over 25 years. And one of the, the reasons is, is because we like money, right? I like my courtside seats. I like the car I drive. I like live in nice places. I like going to restaurants and I'm blessed. I don't have to like look at the price of all the menu, you know? I do. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, sometimes, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I'm blessed and I've worked really hard for it. And, and, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it in any way. But Cube and I don't love money. And there's a big difference. You know, liking money, I think it's cool. What, what's wrong with liking nice things? They're nice things because we've determined they're nicer, you know? And and I like doing things for people, I like taking care of my kids, my wife, you know? But I will not sell my soul for money. Cube will not sell his soul for money. You know, loving money is a problem in this country, man. It's what it's about, you know, and I I tell people, I know some people who have recently made, I'm sorry if we're going off on a tangent, but it hit me.
0: But that's what we do. All
1: right, You know, I got some people who've made a lot of money in in crypto or in different PFP projects or, you know, different things within, you know, this space, and a lot of them are just really, Good dudes, good women who finally, you know, they, they, they did something. Maybe they got lucky. Maybe they, maybe they, you know, they, they saw it. They all have different stories, and you know, a lot of them are doing really good things with it. But then there's some people who you see who think all of a sudden like they're a different person or a better person because they have money, mm-hmm. and it's all and money is the only thing there, and and, and that's not. I I think that's something that people need to be careful of because um, I, I saw it so much in Hollywood, you know, but, uh, you know, going toward, going back to the question about, about communities, it hit us that, wait a second, these communities could be our geographic replacement and it makes so much more sense. And so we went, you know, started talking to a few people. You guys were the first, you know, Sean, my bro Sean came yeah. to me. He, own, he, he owns you know, he owns the gods he told me about Frank. Um we got on the phone, um started talking about stuff and it was about like excitement and yeah, something that he thought could help the community and help rise profile and ultimately bring value, you know, to collection and everything. But he was about, man, I, I, I want a team. I want a team to win. I want to play other communities and you know, all yeah. kinds of creative ideas and yeah. just that the excitement and energy rather than, yeah, you know, I was born in Chicago, so I really like the White Sox. It was yeah. it, it,
0: it I was have a- to or my dad will disown me. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it was a choice. And, you know, following him. You know, we had we had developed a relationship, Cube and I, with Gary V, and he's really smart. I mean, that guy, maybe I'm telling everyone what they already know, but he's, he's like, really quick. He's fast, you know. Look, we all have opinions, you know. None of us are right all the time. Um, but um, so far, he's been right with everything he's told us. And he's a guy super smart, and yeah. he seems to really care you – know, it's not seems he he really cares about the projects and making sure that they're good and taking care of people and and I like that and you know we met Bill we met this this uh, very successful investor Bill Lee he bought one of the one on ones on an NFT drop that Ice Cube did with Trevor Jones and even that like Sean and I we reached out to Trevor because we had gone through all this art. That was online. We were looking to see, like, who was really doing stuff. And his stuff spoke out to us. And, you know, he was one of the people we reached out to. We were like, you know, Ice Cube wants to do something, but he doesn't want to just be a guy who just hires some graphic designer and does some bullshit. Like, we want to use the form to do something that will stand the test of time artistically. You know, if we can make money, great. But artistically, we wanted it to matter. So they, those guys worked. There was a lot of talking, a lot of exchanging of information. You know, Cube sent them a bunch of lyrics that had never been published. You know, they talked about, you know, conceptually what this could be. It turned into this man vs. machine collection. And, you know, we had a a highly successful drop. Kind of had the same thing we just had on Saturday where the open edition there's so many people that it crashed a Nifty Gateway site. <laughs> but that's why I kept telling my engineers on this, dude. When yeah. crash a Nifty Gateway, please. The only yeah. thing that happened is crash and crash. Yeah. But, we did something right. Um,
0: yeah. we, we're going to pretend that you were talking about Frank when you were saying all those nice things, even though we know you were talking about Gary Vee. And yeah, Gary Vee is a legend uh, said- in the crypto, in the Web3 space. Um,
1: I'm a Frank,
0: honestly, I never. Uh, I, it didn't occur to me to look at the NFT communities as, um, you know, your, your sports team community, but it makes total sense. Cause when you think about it, we're 10,000 people more, even maybe all rooting for this project to do well. And in the same sense that I'm one of, you know, X millions or thousands of like green Bay Packer fans, for example, that I'm just rooting for the project, the team to do well. So very creative thinking on your guys and to kind of put that connection together and, and think, all right, how can we, you know, break away from just the geographical connection to these teams and make it more of a, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to say web three experience cause that's pretty much what you've done. Um, so I, I have two questions uh, to piggyback off of that. The first being, uh, and this is for me, cause I don't know, what was the ownership of these teams like prior to, to this buyout by, you know, these NFT projects. And then what do you expect with this new ownership model of these communities owning the teams? uh, What are your expectations going into this season as far as, I don't know, ratings, uh, fan engagement, things like that with these newfound fans through NFTs and crypto?
1: Well, I think it's only going to help. And in fairness, I started with Gary Vee. I was just going in geographical order. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Geographical
1: <laughs> order. order. The one ones is in with the MyDoge community, and that's how we got into MyDoge. The Krause house, you know, they were looking for an NBA team, couldn't get one, so that's why we, um, you know, they, they voted, you know, 100% for us. Um, then we got the Moonbirds in because uh, Bill Lee – on, uh, on a Fox news, uh, a business news broadcast said that what we're doing is much bigger than owls and apes and all this. So the owls were, were insulted. So they called said they (laughs) want, but, you know, going back to how this helps, I mean, everything that creates stakes and emotion and, and the sense of competition around sports, makes the league better. It makes, you know, there's more people rooting for you. The, um, the ratings, you know, our ratings are bigger than than MLS. Our ratings are really good um, for a league that's been so young. And now with with these communities, they could be even better. Um, we, we think they will be because now we have, you know, more of a captain fan base that feels attached to it. And when you say, you know, that you guys have 10,000 um, people in the community, you have way more because people hear you guys, you know, they hear this, they hear, you know, they hear Frank doing things, they see Twitter spaces, and more importantly, for everyone who has, you know, one of the PFPs or one of the pieces of art, they have people who see them, who they explain it to. They have spouse. they have friends, you know. Um you know, people are hanging out and and checking them out. You know, so I think you know. Who knows how big the community is? It ain't ten thousand. You yeah, know, everyone wants to know what it's all about. It could be a hundred thousand. Could be a million. You know, I mean, over time, you guys, your community is going to get better. And by tapping into it, another thing that promotes community, which is sports, right, it gives you another. Yeah unite around something. And even if you're not a sports fan, you still want your community's representatives to win, you know, especially depending upon who they're playing. If there's a, another community that, you know, either for uh, good reasons or bad reasons, you want to lose. Um, so there's, it, it. it's another thing that, you know, it, it, it's a win-win. Both, both sides, Get to, get to work off the, the community of the other. And, and it's also why we sold eight of the 12 communities and, and selling meant we sold all, all 25 of the fire tiers, which give the fire tiers by doing a direct um, contract and not going on, on the public markets, we're able to give an ownership piece, an actual ownership piece, we're able, you know, to give things like, you know, all kinds of experiences being flown to games, meeting greets, special, you know, oh, tickets, yeah. sitting in an owner's suite, you know, getting to go to practices, getting to have a weekly uh, chat with, 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 you know, a video chat with, with, with the guys on the team and, and having a chat with the refs, which means you get to scream and yell at the refs you know, how could we make this call? What do you see here? And to really be be part of the game and, you know, whether it's on our Discord or, or, or you know, I, I, on your channels and stuff, to be able to talk to other people about the game. And there's something else in common that, that not everybody has to be into it, but it's another topic of conversation that the community is involved in. So um, I think... If people care more, they're going to tune in more. Yeah. You're sure. going to
0: get... I mean, I, I'm i a, a sports fan before I even knew what NFT was. So I know how sports Twitter can get. And I can only imagine, you know, you have these massive NFT communities that already at some times might butt heads on Twitter. And you get us live on national television on CBS in a basketball game, and it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. So I, I for one as a self-proclaimed not even that big of a basketball guy, I'm incredibly fired up for the big three season already just because I love sports. I love talking shit. I love camaraderie and I love, you know, having something to rally behind.
3: Yeah. I generally don't um, watch sports at all really. Um, unless I have like some sort of personal attachment to it. But, like when I went to Madison, I, I watched all the games and then my brother played at Northwestern Jeff, I think you went there. So I watched all those games too. And that was exciting. But like, it's been it's been years and I haven't had like a sports team to watch so as a nerd that doesn't watch sports I'm excited for this even though you know it's not really in my purview normally
0: yeah on on that note what what is the uh the schedule normally like for these games like are we talking prime time are we talking like weekend afternoon like
1: yeah like we, weekend afternoon you know okay. it, uh, the playoffs and the finals edge more into the six and seven o'clock time period but it's usually around like four, you know, to six. Perfect happy hour. Right in there, happy hour. <laughs> Perfect. I'm a, I'm a big,
0: I'm, I'm a big hockey fan, and right now it's uh, NHL playoffs, and there's yeah. a lot of afternoon games. Big day drinker, so I'm just, I'm literally picturing in my head like having the boys over to watch a big three game at four o'clock on a Saturday, and just you know, yugging beers to the killer threes stomping on whatever Snoop Dogg's team is.
1: Oh, I, what Slay was saying, man, you know, it's funny because I went. Yeah, I did go to Northwestern. When, when did your brother graduate?
3: Uh, he just graduated like maybe 2014 or 2015. Uh, it was the year that they went to the, um, the tournament finally.
1: He's a basketball player. Yeah,
3: right. he was the captain. His name's Samkin.
1: Yeah. All right. Let me tell you. We were the last team in Division One to go to that tournament, man. And I couldn't figure it out. We have all these amazing players in Chicago. It only takes really one great – I mean, a basketball team is a team, like any team sport, but like football, you know, you got a lot of – you know, we used to get our ass kicked by Wisconsin, actually by everybody in the conference. You know, people – and I graduated in 87 – we won three games in the four years I was there. We tore down the goalpost when we oh, beat. Oh You know it's like, <laughs> but in basketball, I used to be like, "What the hell, man? You just need to just find one of these Chicago superstars. Just take a ten-mile drive and go go get them." But uh, we haven't been able to crack it except for that season. But the but you know football, we, we've gone good. But you know. If, when you look at like college sports and you see that the camaraderie around it, see, that's because it's not just about city, right? It's that there's all these people who shared experiences going to the same school, you know, partying at the school, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, 80 year olds, you know, who are alumni or 20 or, or year olds who are going there, they feel like a different camaraderie and attachment that's different from just cities. And and we're trying to get to that. So that's a great comment, you know.
3: And uh, another connection, speaking of partying, another thing that I saw when I uh, was reading your bio was that you were the the president of DU at Northwestern. And I was in that uh, fraternity at Madison as well. So I guess I can call you Brother Jeff from now on.
1: That's awesome. Let's go. I slept on your floor like twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, do you guys have any like frat boy shit you can share on the show real quick? A secret handshake, secret uh, slogan, anything? Uh, Not that I remember, (laughs) man. (laughs) A couple couple years separated, I guess. The traditions may have changed.
1: No, I will tell you. I mean, uh, I'm surprised you missed this, man. It's like we do not have a secret handshake or secret sex.
3: Yeah, we're an anti, uh, anti-secrecy anti fraternity.
1: We just Wait, spent party. We didn't have time to like, you know.
2: <laughs> <Word>. bullshit. Mm. shit.
4: <laughs>
1: I love
0: that. Did you hoop at all in uh, like high school or college, Jeff? Or how did you get into basketball?
1: You know, I, I, I played one year in in high school um i was never i i I was a really good athlete but i was not you know basketball there's a thing like like an instinct um that that you see you know you see in players like how did he move that way and it's it's almost not to be cliche but it's almost like a like like a like a ballet in a way. Like I see stuff, and, and, and I didn't see it, man. I, I was like basketball blind out there. So yeah. I just you know I, I was decent enough to be on the court, but uh, you know I, I was never going to be great. Um, I was more a football and a and, yeah. and a tennis player. Believe I think it or like not,
0: six seven helps too. I'm sure, but instincts also. Uh, I'm, <laughs>
1: But see, when you're when you're you, when you're young and you're tall, they make you play like center or forward. Yep. And what yep. well, good is that? Because then you're like, all right, I'm six four now. Like, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> you obviously, can't play center or forward, and <laughs> they wouldn't let me play guard. But uh, but I love the sport, man. I I, I do. It, it, I respect it so much. I respect these players, man. Mm-hmm. They play hard. And, yeah. you know, what we got, you know, that, that goes again back to your shit. Our players, we allow shit talking. We, you know, we allow shit talking. We allow hand-checking. You know, our games are much more physical. They're faster than NBA games. You know, the half-court thing, it, it does save you from being able to go up and down the court. But let me tell you, when you're in that space and it goes from offense to defense instantly, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, word. it's very quick, man. It's not like, you know, our our, our best guys could beat the NBA's best guys under 25 and three-on-three three every time because there's so much basketball IQ and understanding the actual strategy of the game. You know, I mean, eventually, you know, the 25-year-olds will, will outrun our guys – yeah, just because they're twenty five. Although now we have twenty five year old guys, so maybe not. Not, I've not a, them. Yeah, you know. But uh, it, it's uh, you know the physicality and, and, and the personal nature. It's funny today we've been uh, talking about which team of security we want to bring along because you know we. <laughs> I mean, need it. we've had fights, man. Break out. I mean, on the court. You know. Yeah. And, I mean, because you can only talk so much shit and push a guy to so much till they say, you know what, <laughs> like fuck you. But, <laughs> you know. I, I actually didn't
0: know that. Uh, I'm a big like football and hockey guy, so I'm I'm big on violence, and and that's you know not is one of the one of my knocks on basketball is I feel like it's it's a little soft. So I'm even more excited now. Um, but you guys, speaking of you know getting some of these younger talents and whatnot, um, you guys have. a a lot of former NBA players right now. Uh, Who do you think? And is there a a type of NBA player that tends to come to the big three? Or who do you think would be the next NBA player to come to the big three?
1: I mean, to come to the big three, you have to still want to win. You have to still want to win, too. Because it's hard out there. Like, the first year... Been had some guys who thought, man, three-on-three three with my buddies. Yeah, that's easy. And it didn't work out, and they were humiliated, you know, because our guys work all year. Uh, more than 70% of them are playing professional. You know, a lot of them play around around the world. There's professional teams everywhere. Some of them play in the G League here. Um, so, you know, some of them have gone back and forth and, and – into the nba it's not like we've got guys who can't play you know and we've also got some guys who you know in my opinion could be starting in the, in the nba but they, they they just have trouble fitting in you know or, or following the rules and stuff see we don't have to like bunk with these guys and travel with them for nine months in the year we play on the weekend you know, it's once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's eleven times, so someone could only get out of hand so many times. It doesn't make us afraid. Plus we have ice cube. <laughs> word. It carries a little bit more respect than Adam Silver. I don't think he hurt. <laughs> no, no, one, no one's been stood down by Adam Silver before, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh is there any incentive that you would say uh for NBA players to come play in the big three right now, or is that something that you know, you guys would like to create, um, I know it's like a summer league. So obviously the schedules are different. Anyone could play, I would assume in both leagues, maybe.
1: Well, they're not allowed to, um, NBA players. See the guys who play internationally, they're, they're allowed to, because those guys wouldn't, you know, the international teams wouldn't get players if they, if they didn't allow that. Um, But the NBA doesn't allow people to play professionally. They could play in like, I I don't know the exact terms of the, uh, of the contracts, but maybe in one or two like charity games and stuff. But look, people weren't allowed to play two sports until, you know, Deion Sanders and, and, uh, Bo Jackson came along and said, well, I'm playing two sports if you want, if you want me to play for you. And, You know, we'll get get those players. That'll happen. There's been some players that have tried to do both. But, you know, you need someone who's got, you know, all the leverage. You know, Um, because they could do it. The seasons do work. And the idea that these guys, they don't want to get these guys hurt, that they're just sitting at home, like, you know, taking it easy is a joke. I mean, a lot of these guys are out playing. And at least we have refs, and we have, you know, medical staff or something yeah. But you know, I'm sure the NBA would be nervous about it because our our games are a lot are a lot tougher. James Harden, the New York Times said, yeah, like there's no NBA regular season game that's as physical or as impassioned as, as any big three game.
0: Yeah, God forbid LeBron played in a physical game. <laughs>
3: Is there any um, like beef between like uh, big three and NBA? Like, do they think you're stepping on their toes or anything like that? Or is it pretty civil?
1: Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, they, they haven't, they haven't like dissed us the way I just dissed them. Uh, <laughs> I think they're a little worried about it. There were some things that we had to work through the first season and I think that they, you know, saw the light um, and, and, and let us do that. Um, but, you know, the NFL right now, you know, they're, they're, they're helping the USFL and the XFL. They're doing stuff, seeing that good for the sport. The NBA has taken like 15 things from us between marketing ideas and rules and stuff. We're obviously good for them. And plus... A lot of our coaches are hall of famers. Yeah. A lot of oh, our yeah. players, you know, we're like, and we're not playing five on five real court. It, it, and we've made it a different sport. You know, it's called fireball, sure. and 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 we've changed so many rules of like what what FIBA, which is the international um, body of three on three. You know, they're the ones who who deal with the Olympics and everything. We got the best FIBA players in our league now, and. It's just we think it's good for for the NBA. A lot of the NBA owners have been super supportive. Um, We've had almost 200 players come to games, which you don't see NFL guys at AF or XFL games. You know, and they're coming not to like so-called support their friends. They're coming because they love it, you know, and they love seeing it. And. It's it's disappointing that the NBA has made it really hard for us, and the way they've made it hard, you know, they won't let anyone who's invested in any big team, big three team, um, invest in our league. Which so basically anyone either today or one day wants to invest in uh, NBA, they've eliminated. You know, they they put some pressure on, uh, you know, on networks. They put some pressure on um sponsors you know some that we've caught them on some that we haven't you know and and some of it's just it's just subtle you know we've had a lot of conversations with sponsors at high levels where they're like well if you did something with the nba then we could so it's it's actually just disappointing because we're a league that we have women coaches who both won championships. We have a female chairman of the board. She was the, you know, Amy Trask. She was the CEO of the Raiders during, you know, when Al Davis was there. Most powerful woman in sports. You know, we have a black commissioner, a black owner in and cube and, and we got like some old Jewish white guys like me. So everyone, <laughs> um, and, and, and. It it shouldn't. It's not like that's a big deal because actually, like, I remember when Nancy Lieberman asked Cube, like, "So why do you want me to coach? You want me to coach because, you know, you're breaking a barrier with a woman coaching." And he was like, "Hell no! I want you to coach because I think you might win." Yeah. And and she did, and she won that year, And, and and the coaches and players voted her. Coach of the Year. And then the same thing happened with Lisa Leslie the next year. So, you know, it's – we're doing things for the right reason. And it's funny. You know, the NBA, they could like, you know, have all their sayings on the court, you know, about racial justice and all that. And they could they could all like line up and take a knee together, which, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of pandering and even – Maybe racist in his own thing, like oh, let's all take a knee, and then, then oh, all our black fan base will be happy. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Cube and I have been doing a lot of stuff with the NFL around the contract with Black America, which uh, Cube and I worked on primarily. Cube, you know, after George Floyd, we put this thing out and got really involved and in trying to get companies to hire more black businesses because there's a 12 to one wealth gap in America. Black families have one twelfth of white families. And and that's, that's, that's fucking crazy. That I mean, it's wild. Crazy. And the crazier thing is it's the worst it's ever been now. And it's gone on a straight line from 1861 all the way through. You know, it goes in, you know, it doesn't go in an exact straight line, but it, it consistently goes up. And there's reasons for that, that, you know, I know this isn't the place to go into it, but what we all know is that, you know, the, the shit is just not cool. And you don't have to believe, you know, some people think, oh, slavery had nothing to do with it. It was 400 years ago. Some people believe... It's about property rights. Some people believe, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know how they get to this, but, you know, there are just people who say, oh, it's their fault, blah, blah, blah. But regardless of what it is, if it's 12 to 1 by race, it's a problem. And you don't have to, you don't have to really be a sleuth to figure out the answer. It's irrelevant how it got that way. It's a problem. It's unstable. It's unstable. It's, it's it's not good for the country. So, you know, our thing has always been help black businesses. And the NFL, you know, they stepped up, man. And we've been working with them yeah. quietly behind the scenes for a year. And they've spent $150 million on black businesses since we started working with them. We were going to announce it at the draft, but... It got, it screwed up for some other reasons. We'll be doing like a press conference soon, but we didn't want to announce it when we did with them because we wanted to, we wanted to put points on the board first because everybody would think, oh, is this like a Jay-Z thing? They just yeah. react to Eppernick? And I'll just tell you that Troy Vincent um, and, and Roger Goodell, you know, Cube and I believe them. They, they want to make a difference. And we've seen them do it. I mean, they've taken 150 million dollars that would have went to other businesses, and they've put them into black businesses. Yeah. And it doesn't really cost them anything because these are vendors, you know, financial services, banks, IT companies, PR companies. That they're they're hiring people anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not hire someone out of your comfort zone? And let's break down some barriers. And in the meantime, we have a company, you know, who then kind of comes from a community and employs people, and who knows how much how, how much it could help. I just know, you know, when it comes to the NBA, you know, they, you know, the NFL has seventy five percent of the, are, are black. I mean, I don't know what the exact percentage is in the NFL, you know. But, but it's a lot. It's more than 50%. I would hazard the guess. And and, and what do they do? Oh, we gave $5 million to Black Lives Matter. I mean, I don't know if that's what they did. But they check boxes. They make it look like they're doing stuff. They have some hashtags on the side of shit, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, Clyde Drexler, who is one of the best NBA players ever. Hell yeah have coaches like Dr. J and George Gervin and Gary Payton, Hall of Famers. You know, one after another, um, Rick Barry and and here is a league that empowers players, and players have a percentage of the league. And you know, Clay Drexler, first black commissioner, to first black owner, Hell and yeah. they're, and they're fucking with us. Yeah. And that's that's their contribution to. To black progress. It pisses me off, and maybe it's easier for me to say because I'm a white dude. So it shocks me because, you know, what I found is like black people, they're like, what are you shocked about? Like, I remember Cube.
3: I was just thinking that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Cube, one day, I mean, this stuff, because, I mean, I was really involved in college. And, and at law school in, in a lot of these movements and everything. And I thought, well, it could only get better. It's only going to go one way. It was a matter of how quick, but the opposite has happened. And it's really, really, it's really a drag. And, and I remember like, I'll get so frustrated and cubes like, man, that's the problem, yeah. you are know, born white. So you thought the world was a good place till you were like 13 or 14. When you're black. By the time you're three years old, you know this world ain't built for me. And that in itself is sad. That's not how it should be, obviously. But we're trying to do something with it. We're trying to do it with the league, we're trying to do it with our work with other leagues. You know, there's some talks going on. Oh, yeah. With Nike, with uh, MLS, um, a couple other sports leagues. But not the NBA. <laughs> we'll I mean, we'll, uh,
0: we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, right? They'll, they'll come around eventually.
1: Uh, you know, I I don't think the current leadership will. And, and the crazy thing is, like I said, like most of the owners are awesome. And they support what we do. We play in their arenas. We play NBA arenas. Yeah. I mean, they, they – and, and they're cool. They come to the games and, you know, they they – I mean, most of the owners have been awesome. Mm -hmm. By the way, I can't tell you an owner that hasn't been awesome. It's just that we don't get to meet them all. But, you know, whether it's Jeannie Buss, you know, or or obviously Mark Cuban, who's, you know, so cool, you know.
0: When's he going to buy a big three team? I guess he can't.
1: He's not allowed to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. He'd be an awesome big three owner. Oh, dude. I uh, and I, again, not not a basketball guy, but just like reading up on the big three and looking at, uh, you know, the commissioner and some of the coaches. Like, I don't know many basketball people, but I know like Gary Payton. I know Dr. J. I know our coach, uh, Charles Oakley. I'm curious what your thoughts being a Knicks fan. uh, Are you a Charles Oakley fan as well? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Because we're anti-Dolan, right?
1: (laughs) Well, the only Knicks fan that isn't a Charles Oakley fan is Dolan. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I was at that game. I was at that game when he got kicked out. My wife and it was actually shocking because you know if, if you're a Knicks fan through the late '80s when we had the rivalry with the Bulls, which Damn, that's a tough rivalry to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Oakley—that guy—left it all on the floor. He played a hundred percent. And people who lived through that that team with Ewing and Mason and Oakley and Starks, you know, they might be a little mad at Starks. I'm still a little salty about him. Most people are forgiving him. You know, he went three for twenty-six in the playoffs and lost our. Didn't get us our ring, but uh, I mean, th- those guys played hard. They just said, you know, Michael Jordan was in the league. Well, uh, we were, we were great, but yeah, Michael tough. Jordan is like, you know, guys, Sorry. the greatest guy for a mile, but, but Oakley, man, that guy gave us everything. He gave the city, everything. And then to treat him like that, you know, that incident, when he got thrown out, that was it. That's when I, I canceled my season tickets. I was like, that's it. I, I can't support this shit. I don't care if he has a line of 100 people who are going to take my place. I I just can't. It was just bad. And also watching the guys on the court, watching Melo, watching Amari, watching these guys not be happy. And then I'm like looking at the Warriors, you know, and this is even before the Warriors were winning. They're just having a ball out there. Yeah. And it comes back to this, right? Because going to, going to a Knicks game where the players aren't having fun is really not fun. Now, it might be for other people, you know, all these hedge fund guys, it's a good place for them to meet and do business and all that bullshit. I'm, I, I was just a fan. I was a Knicks, a Knicks fan, you know. I almost got in a fight with Kanye because he was like yelling at me for going – Going hard on LeBron, Slate's like, boy, watch oh. out! No, 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 but I love Kanye. <laughs> Kanye. is the man. But uh, he's like, Matt Jeff, you're like a big Hollywood manager. Like, chill <laughs> out. <laughs> I was like, dude, when I walk in the garden, I'm a Knicks fan, man, and oh, I ain't yeah. nothing. I, I'm I'm what I was on a seven, nothing else. But like you guys, like I see, like the gods, like blowing us up, like the energy around it, the positivity. <laughs> You know, the stuff that you guys have brought to it. See, that is, you may not be basketball fans, but see that is, that is the heart of it. The heart of it is not the technical shit. The heart of it is like having fun. It's, it it is a game, isn't it? I mean, it's a, so, and, and, and who's got like that energy anymore? I, I, I said this on, on on a Twitter space too. Man, this country, like everyone's just yelling at and screaming at each other, and 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 the lies and the shit from both sides. Everybody, everybody's just angry all the time, and yeah, motherfuckers not having fun. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys have fun. You guys are every like every day, and your in your community. You know, the first things when we start our Discord, and I, I'm seeing. Like people answering other people's questions and helping people. And I'm like, this is like so different than what I've. It's
3: definitely like all love and NFTs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting you there.
0: Um, Well, It's all love until we were playing the other team and then I'm going to be fucking (laughs) courtside screaming down somebody's
3: throat. Yeah. I've been telling people recently that like, since I've been on like uh, uh, NFT and you know, crypto Twitter, like I haven't seen real like news, I guess. I don't, I mean, real news to me is like all that doom and gloom stuff. Like, you know, there was a mass shooting or Trump said this or whatever. Like I've just been like completely tuned out. It's like a different world where like, you know, everyone's happy. It's great. It,
1: it, you know, it, it really is, man. Cause, Cause I'm not tuned out to those stuff. I, I, I'm a news junkie no. and my life have been very involved politically and it's refreshing going back and you know being in the in the crypto NFT space just like the i mean yeah there's always haters and whatever but that's life you know word it, it ain't heaven it's not you know eden but man it, it's so good that the default thing is love and and, and positivity and we need more of that and, and, and that alone is what's cruel about tapping into these communities because you know, unlike the NBA, we do care about our players first. Not that, you know, you know, the NBA has had to care more about them as they've had more power. Yeah. You know, LeBron has a lot of power. You know, a lot of the, the, the best players, for the first time, have, have real power. And, and they a lot of them make more money off the court than on it. So, all of a sudden, they don't have to be like... You know, like little slaves. Like if I don't do what they tell me, I'm going to lose my lifeline. Um, and that's a good development. At the same time, you know, we try. We're not paying people. Fuck you, money. So, you know, but but Cube and I come from art from the artist world. So we try to show try to show the players and coaches respect. You know, it's still a business, and it's only a business because we got to stay in business or it goes away, you know? Uh, sure. And, but, but we want that positivity and, and it's worked. The players appreciate it. You know, every interaction isn't good, but the vast, vast majority are, and we're always trying to do the right thing. Oh yeah, And usually we succeed, not always, but usually, and you know, when you, it, you know, that's why we were really selective about which communities we wanted in. We could have sold 30 of these teams. It's am- there's some people salty at us for not giving them teams. But it was more about because they had one or two rich ballers that wanted it. And it wasn't really, it was, it, it, it was more about um, ego stuff than, than actually having fun with it. and 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 making it work and being part of the whole thing so i i'm proud of us i'm proud of cube that we kept the discipline we always wanted to make sure we had a certain number of teams that people could buy the fire tiers you know so we ended up selling eight of them um of the 12 but every every community is is great we're psyched
0: yeah i got can i make one request um because We've already expanded from eight to 12 teams. uh, And I'd imagine you guys plan on expanding more. Can we uh, add into the rule book that any future expansion teams can't use a fucking pun on the word three in their name? There's like six out of 12 teams that are fucking threes company, three headed monsters, the killer threes, the trilogy. (laughs) Like, can we give up on the fucking the threes puns already and just, you know, be original.
1: You have to take that up with Ice Cube.
0: That's fine. Can we get him on real quick? <laughs> um
1: I don't know where he is right now. No, I just
0: thought it was funny cuz like our, you know, our our NFT community like we got 33.3%, and that's like our shit. So when we got the Killer 3s as a team, I was like, "Oh my god, it's perfect." But I didn't realize that there were like sep <laughs> five other teams that also <laughs> had 3s in the name. Um
1: Pretty funny. I, the, the newer ones don't have degrees.
0: Yeah. okay. All right. Can we uh can we talk a little bit of Hollywood now? We can. All right. So my first question, this is your, your ease in lead-in question. How do you go from Harvard Law to Hollywood?
1: Mm. I was already when I was at Northwestern actually, I started booking bands at DU, then booking bands on the campus, and then started doing stuff in Chicago. And I took a year off before law school. Lived in uh, lived across from the Biograph in Chicago Biograph Theater. I used to tell chicks that uh, Dillinger got shot from my window. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Maybe did I don't know. It was good. <laughs> believe it or not, that shit works. <laughs> oh, I believe it. <laughs> I guess it works when they want it to work, um, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I had a year, um, according to you know, to phone records. Uh, I spent the year there. I remember at least like three weeks. But uh, towards the end of that, I was like, I gotta I gotta go to Harvard Law or I'll die here in Chicago. <laughs>
4: like,
1: <laughs> partied so hard. But we I was booking bands and started managing a band named Material Issue, who was an amazing Chicago band. A little ahead of its time. They're like Green Day before Green Day, and uh, at Harvard, you know, got them signed for a record deal at Mercury, which is now part of Universal, and you know, sold a few hundred thousand records. And I was like, I, I, I opened a little office with a couple of people. We were radio stations, getting things done, and you know. So when I when I graduated you know, drove, drove out to L.A. and uh, started working as, as both a lawyer and a manager. And just couldn't stick with the law stuff because just argue, arguing just about a bunch of stuff that wasn't relevant. Because as a manager, I knew what was important. So it, it turned into, uh, you know, where I started managing bigger and bigger bands. Nice. And and uh, we brought Mike Ovitz's company. We'd already been doing some stuff in film, but but that really, uh, Mike Ovitz was the founder of CAA. And he started a management company, and my old partner Rick Yorn, who still manages, he's 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 the biggest film manager, was then, still is. Um, DiCaprio, Scorsese, Benicio del Toro. Ever heard of him? Yeah, exactly. He's all I of. He's like, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, that's a nice small one. Uh, you know, so we so that's how we get into it. So, we, you know, we actually built the biggest uh, talent management company yeah. ever.
0: Hell yeah, the firm, baby. So, uh, you know, having started in music, I feel like the obvious question, the fo- obvious follow-up question there is, like, who's your favorite artist? But I want to know. And tell me if this is something you can't answer for any reason. But I feel like we're all friends here. We can we can talk. It's just the boys. Who was the worst music artist to work with? Either because they were high maintenance, or they were aggressive, or they were just an absolute monster. Who was the worst to work with? Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I was lucky. We, you know, part of part of what I thought was a successful formula because I'd only work with acts I believed in and, and liked. Um, but in a, in, in a very early, very early on, um, we helped get general public back together um, okay. and, and had a number one song with, uh, with a cover from the Staple Singer. Um, uh, I'll Take You There and it was from a movie that I'm sure no one who's listening will have ever heard. It's called Threesomes. Um and we got a number one hit, and Dave Wakeling, who was like the, you know, he was the English beat and then general public, and people had written them off that they were done, and I got them back together, and all the other guys in the band were like, listen, I'll do it, but just so you know, we're warning you that you shouldn't do it because Wake is a really bad guy. I mean, like, what are you talking about? He's so sweet. I think he's learned his lesson and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that was my first experience of, no, he didn't learn his lesson. He just was poor and unsuccessful at the time. As soon as he had another hit, it was right back to who he was. Oh, man. <laughs> <Attaboy>. <laughs> back on that bullshit.
4: <laughs> Hell, yeah.
1: I will tell you that... Um, I did get to work with with a lot of really great people, um, you know. You it, it, uh, know, you know, I, you know, I managed Snoop Dogg for ten, eleven years, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's the greatest. And yeah, shout out to Snoop. Hey, hell yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, Enrique Iglesias and Lincoln Park and Corn. I, I just, I, I was really lucky. Limp Biscuit, a lot, you know, whatever you think, they were the biggest rock band in the world for a time and and Fred Durst went out and tried to figure out how to get everyone to hate him. And he kind of succeeded. Um, so you could say that he was the hardest because he actually went out to destroy his career. Um, it's, you know, it's a complicated psychological analysis I'm not a psych, but, but Fred's a good guy. You know, I got along with Fred. I still do. I still talk to him. And, you know, I think he regrets a lot of stuff he did. But he he, he did some mean stuff to some people. Mm-hmm. People will say that I did. But, you know, the way I did it is I always fought for my artists, man. That was it, you know. Um, you know, I mean, was, I managed the Backstreet Boys. And... and at what they do, they were the best. Oh, they were yeah. better. Than think they were better than He's these saying other. You know. who? You know, um, I got I, I got to, to work, and and you know I'll tell you, my favorite artist. Obviously, it's Ice Cube because when I decided to get out of that's a cop out. No, no, no but I'm. All right, <laughs> and then I'm going to give you the other one. There, okay. So the when I got out of management. Cube was the one guy I wanted to stay with and stay in because the guys, the guy's a unicorn man. He's so talented, but he's such like a, a loyal and he works his ass off. That guy could be running a Fortune five hundred company. He would be if if he wasn't so great in, in, in art. Um, but you know, my other, you know, my most favorite artist also is roger waters from pink floyd and through right. some weird stuff i ended up becoming really good friends with him never done business with them never wanted to because we have like a real friendship that has nothing to do with music although we can we can relate to each other through music and lyrics i think he's the best lyricist ever all this you know Bob Dylan shit. I'm not buying it. Roger (laughs) is is the best there is. And and he lives his truth, man. And he's a controversial guy. A lot of people say he's hard to get along with. And certainly he's hard to get along with, you know, inside of his band because they broke up. But, like, I'm just blown away by his talent. I'll also tell you that, you know, Jennifer Lopez... Um, who I worked with twice. Once once I fired her, then the second time she fired me. Unfortunately, she, she did a good reason to fire me, but uh, she's she's a sweetheart, man. And she doesn't always have that reputation. You know, um, when she did American Idol, I don't know, 10, 12 years back, it was really good for her because people got to hear her. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a lot of divas and a lot of crazy people around her that gave her that that thing. But he's the closest thing I saw to Ice Cube in terms of working hard, talent in all kinds of areas, and she's really a great person. And I want to say I am so psyched that she is with Ben Affleck because I, right. I had her through Ben the first time. Around this whole G thing. You guys are probably like three. <laughs> I know what that is, yeah. That was the craziest shit ever. Like the <laughs> paparazzi and the paparazzi followed me twenty four seven and I ain't even lying. Just on the chance that I might lead them to her. Jeez. Which is crazy because it's not like I was meeting with her every other day. Um but she those guys love each other. And it should have worked the first time. We got pushed apart. And I've been telling people for all the years in between, I pray that one day she gets back with Ben. You know, she, she was with Mark Anthony um, for most of when I managed her. And I have no problem saying, I, you asked me who the, big, the, 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 the toughest or the worst person that I worked with. So I didn't manage him. I didn't work with him. But that guy is a straight-up dick. He's <laughs> a bad, evil human being.
4: Yikes!
0: Why did you? Uh, wh- why did you get fired? I mean, I would kill to say that I've been fired by by J Lo. But why did you get fired?
1: Uh, you know, there was a uh, there was a period of my life where I was just being a little irresponsible, partying too much, and. I, I just I, I I was you know I wasn't a hundred percent, and she knew it, and I and, and I and I feel bad about that, but but, but we've talked about it, and uh, you know I, I don't I, I don't see her that much obviously, but did see her I saw her like a year ago, and she's dude, she's awesome.
3: She was like my first crush when I was a wee lad. And I would like, before I like knew that I, you know, you know, being attracted to women or whatever, I was like, Oh my gosh, JLo, she's mommy, dude. Yeah. I,
0: I <laughs> still think that now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever sure. want to put in a good word, like, you know, me and my wife would love to double day with Ben and JLo anytime we're, we're free. So, uh, but actually <laughs> I have a question on the partying note. Um, who, Uh, would you say, and this could be in the past or could be present, who throws the best parties in Hollywood? Like when we get super rich and famous from this podcast, that's obviously going to blow up. Like who do I need to be boys with so that I can get all the good invites?
1: You know, I'll tell you, it's not the same, man. I believe it. Firm used to have the best parties. If you ask Howard Stern, the best parties ever been to, I just know because he brings it up like once a year on the X was the, uh, the firm, uh, Grammy party. We used to have our parties like at South by Southwest at the Grammys, at the VMAs, at the Oscars, but they all started at like two in the morning. So the, the rules were everybody go to your record label or studio or network party. do yeah. your schmoozing. You gotta do, and then come to our party. And we didn't allow any suits. It was only creatives. And dude, we had a jam with Dr. Dre and Kid Rock and um, two of the Metallica guys with two of the Backstreet Boys guys and Rob Zombie. Holy! Just all shit. Got together and started jamming. Good God, that's fucking that's sick! Uh, wow, holy it was, like, shit. crazy! Oh yeah, right? it's like but but uh,
3: you still party at all? So you throw the best parties in Hollywood then.
1: No, I used to. I got out. Okay. Used to. Yeah. Yo, that's fucking wild, bro. Facts.
0: So speaking of uh, letting loose, um, you managed Britney Spears for one month. And <laughs> since it was mo- one month, I'm assuming this was like shaved head Britney. Can you tell us what that was like?
1: <sighs> well, <laughs> I mean, Britney... I mean, dude, I, I bet she doesn't even remember. <laughs> remember me. <laughs> oh yeah. See, like, you know. But listen, Brittany Britney, I have a lot of empathy for Brittany, man. I oh, know yeah,
0: Brittany.
1: Dude, she was a little girl and when you're a little girl, you wanna know mommy and daddy love you. But mommy and daddy were like pimping around to the musketeers and doing these shows and you know, there's a lot of these these moms or dads that live their dreams through their kids. And we all want what's best for our kids, but there comes a point where do you want what's best for your kid or do you want what's best for you? And, and and them thinking they're the star. And it's it's really, I've seen it a lot of times. It, it's it's common. Um, and we can name, you know, everybody I'm sure is listening can name some people. Um, but the psychological effect of having parents like that you don't feel loved and you start to be disconnected. I mean, the most, the craziest thing I saw, I managed Michael Jackson for a year and he just didn't live on earth. And, and I'm not saying that like, to be funny or like insulting because the shit he was put through, like there's no way he could have understood like how the real world works because we it was, and Brittany was kind of like that, and she, you know, and, and we were trying to get her, get her in shape, and get her dancing, and doing this routine, and you know, to do the VMAs. That's I came in to do the VMAs, and she, she started working her ass off, and you know, I saw her record a couple songs in the studio, and I'm telling you, the girl can sing. I was, I, I honestly was surprised how good she was. And, and that's not like some low bar shit. Like she was good. And when she turned on, she turned it on. And, and she was dancing up a storm and then we get to Vegas for the VMAs and, you know, the people you know who we had managed to kind of send home, like her, her cousin, I can't remember her name now, but her Oh, wow, Brittany's back. She's in shape. She said, Let's all go to Vegas. And, you know, I'm sure out came the drugs. Out came. They were out all night. We tried to, like, I had people who were with her. They couldn't. You know, she she has people that around her who really benefit from her being fucked up. And you see that all the time, man, with famous people. Hey, there's not people, like, most people. You know, we saw that with Alan Iverson in the first year. You know, Iver, Alan Iverson is a great person. He is. And I've seen his soul, man. Cuban, I spent a lot of time with him. But sometimes, you know, the boys you grew up with, are the people you grew up with, and they know how to push your buttons, and, and people aren't... It's hard to move on from people who aren't good for you or using you if... They've been your people your whole life. It's a really hard thing. It's a really hard. That's thing. a bar. And Brittany, it, the wheels came off, man. And you know, we had this great outfit design. Her cousin didn't like it, so she put something else on. It. Oh, man, it was a complete disaster. Um, the first thing, the president of Jive Records came up to me backstage and said. You did it, you did it, she performed. No one thought she'd perform. And I just looked at him, I'm like, dude, you, did, did you watch the same performance I did? She goes, yeah, don't worry, it wasn't perfect, but she got through it. I was like, oh boy, dude, yeah, you better tell the press people because it ain't gonna, it's not gonna work out very good, trust me. And um. sadly, and, and, and I'll just say this, I'm not gonna defend her dad and everything he did because I don't really know, right? But right after that situation is when the whole thing went down with her dad coming in as yeah. her trustee. If that if that judge hadn't made him her trustee, she'd be dead. And I and I and I know that. It's not an opinion. She would be dead. She needed someone to come in now, her dad had not been a good dad to her, and I think that was part of it that uh, he felt guilty that he left with the mom, and and you know, and then over time, you know, then you know maybe he starts to think he's the star. You know what I mean? Because he's the guy calling the shots. And I can't speak to that. All I can speak to is it seemed like it was ridiculously long, but. In the beginning, she needed that shit and it saved her life. And uh, so you can be mad at, you know, I, what was he the trustee, like 10 years? Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, the idea is not to like, you know, baby someone their whole life. But she needed, she, could, she was not capable of running her life then. She just wasn't. Um, so I'm glad the judge did that initially he saved their life and no one's saying that. And, and, you know, I'm glad I, I have the opportunity to say it because it's fucking true, man. It is no doubt in the world. So,
0: yeah. Very interesting. Um, I know that one of our co-hosts chapter here wants to ask this question. Um, who are your favorite rappers of all time? And you can't say ice cube. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you know I, I I could tell you who the next two on the list are uh, <laughs> okay is, uh, I mean LJ and Public Enemy you know and when I was in law school is right when Public Enemy and NWA first came out and I was like what the fuck is this like, <laughs> word. Like rap you know started in a lot of ways like like the fat boys and you know, it was like funny rap and, fun- and then these, these guys come What's along. The sorry. These guys come yeah. along and they're talking about shit that, that like I, I, I you know, I, yeah. I didn't, I couldn't relate to, but I knew it was real
4: because
1: mm-hmm. you know, it's real. Like, like, you know, and, and it's just ironic that it was both. It was both of them. So my, I had the East Coast and the West Coast, and it was just, it, it was so intense to me. And LL was, just always had like this power, you know, and and he's uh, yeah, there's a reason why these guys are all still around. these, you know, there's a reason why i still doing it too. And Does he have a big three team yet, LL Cool J? LL is actually. One of like the early invest, the earliest investors in Big Three. Oh. We're buddies with, him. and and we we uh, he just called us up said I want to be part of what you guys are doing. You know he does a lot of stuff with, with. He's got this serious channel, Rock the Bells, that's really popular. Um and and it's like classic rock only it's rap. You know it's like like the shit that's been forgotten. I mean there's a lot of, there's a lot of rappers along the way, a lot of hip hop along the list. How do you, how do you pick one out? You know, I mean, different people in different time periods, a certain Nas, you know, right. I mean, there's so there's so many, there's so many, um, you know, obviously, you know, the Dre records were unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to remember a missing one that's more obscure. Give
0: me a new one. I dare you. <laughs>
1: If you're a new one Well you could say
0: Kanye I guess
1: <laughs> Kanye's not a new one
0: uh, I mean he's newer than LL Cool J and Public Enemy I
1: like Logic you know You know Logic is good Yeah okay uh, You know It's I mean it's interesting now because Now It's, it's less about the pure Form of hip hop Like it's hip hop mashed With pop Um, you know, so it's 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 what is hip hop, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, is Kendrick Lamar hip hop? I guess, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one for sure. Kendrick Lamar is amazing. Look, Snoop Dogg's amazing. You know, that's going back. Ever heard of him?
0: That halftime show, that shit brought me back. That was great. Yeah, word, word.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a. you know the Outcast guys back in the day. Love with Outcast. I love oh. Outcast. Yeah, yeah. Outcast yeah. Oh Yeah,
2: thing. That, yeah. Word, bro. <laughs> Nobody said Outcast like in the last fucking eleven, 11 episodes, episodes. Bro,
4: that's
0: yeah. A holy
2: shit, dead ass. Hey, y'all. Yes. It's my
0: go-to karaoke song, bro.
1: Just Andre. <laughs> yeah. Bro. yeah, I mean, oh. you know, the rapper. You know, yeah. Good, good too, doing a lot of stuff for Chicago and shit.
0: Hell yeah. Um. Let me uh, let me squeeze another uh, big three question because I don't think I remember to ask this earlier. So for us around the country who would like to get to a game uh, to utilize those D God's floor seats and the owner's box, where do you guys usually play at? Uh, do you know you know what the schedule looks like this year as far as what cities you'll be in?
1: I mean, what we, what we usually do is we go and play in a different city, in, in in an arena in a different city every week. Like, that's the format. Last time, because of COVID, we had to do like most of the games in Vegas, and then we played in a couple other markets, like Dallas, Chicago, Milwaukee. And uh, we did the finals in the Bahamas. This year, we're kind of watching, so we might have to make some last minute changes, depending how this COVID thing goes, but we're gonna play, in Chicago Um I believe we're playing at the UIC Pavilion They call it something else Some bank name But uh You know we're gonna play I know we're playing the, the uh, playoffs in Atlanta I know we're playing the finals In Miami Okay at, is it FTX, Isn't it FTX Arena FTX now?
0: now Yeah it used to be Triple I.
1: Yeah and uh And then we're going to play the all-star game in the Bahamas. Um, And I know we're playing in Dallas as well. Dallas is a great market for us. Um, You know, we did like, we played there every year. We averaged like 17,000 people there. It's crazy. We played in Detroit. And they were pissed because we... We had the biggest attendance of the year. We had more attendance than 41 Detroit Pistons games. <laughs>
4: wow! Oh, <shit.
0: laughs> brutal. You hate to hear it.
1: That was brutal, man.
0: <laughs> Damn, I got yeah. some options then because I could definitely do Miami. I could probably swing Atlanta, so that's good to hear for me. Oh yeah.
1: Where Where are
0: you? I'm in, I'm in uh, Charleston right now, but I'm originally from South Florida. Um, I've been to plenty of games at at AAA. Uh, I was at Game Seven when the when the Heat beat the Spurs in like 2012, maybe 2011, I forget. Um, and then obviously Atlanta is not that far away from Charleston, so definitely going to try and try and swing a couple games this season.
1: You were there for the Dwayne Wade, the first Dwayne Wade ring.
0: Yeah, big three. Yeah. I was there when LeBron was there. That was, I mean, again. Not a basketball fan, but when LeBron was in Miami, I and I was living in Fort Lauderdale, I was I was a fair bit of a Heat fan.
1: There you go. Hey, you know, uh Dwayne Wade, he's he's a huge big three fan too. Okay. He's a cool dude, so see, one one of your guys. Let's
0: go. Me and him are gonna be sitting courtside in Miami. Can't wait.
1: You come, you will be courtside. You just remembered ask me your courtside. Oh yeah let's go i'll even figure out something we can fight about all right dude please <laughs> let's go
0: i'll palm a security guard hey yo jeff said i was sitting courtside. get the fuck out of my way <laughs>
1: that
0: <word>. hell yeah <laughs> man
1: um, you won't do that. our guys are pretty tough i know i'd get my
0: ass kicked but i, I like to act off <laughs> uh jeff do you have any questions for us or anything do you have any questions about like weird nft shit or d gods or i
1: mean what eh, tell us what we can do better? What, what, what's like how, what could we do that would be the most inclusive of most of the D gods, like not just the sports fans?
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. I, the first thing that comes to my mind, and this is this is kind of like overarching and not just D gods, but like I think you really need to lean into the NFT community thing because I, there's already, you know, a little bit of animosity for better or worse between these communities, because at the end of the day, we're all kind of competing for the same market cap, uh, you know, as projects, I think leaning into the branding of the NFT communities and that whole competition between communities would be a way to really make this, uh, you know, go beyond just TV and just for a sports team.
1: Right. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Part of what we're trying to show, you know, it's easy to show why what we're doing is good for sports fans, you know. But the other side, like what we try to communicate to to NFT people, is like I heard Gary V saying, talking about this once about how the you know that the NFT world keeps recycling the same dollars, yeah, people and. And I think what we can do you know is bring more people into it and understand it that it's not just you know yeah you know it's not just jpeg like people think it's jpegs and ponzi schemes for right. years that, big-
0: that was the first thing that crossed my mind when I heard about this big three acquisition. I was like, holy shit we are we're going from, and at the time d was the first one, but we're going from. JPEGs on the internet to like potentially this brand that will be on national television. And that's something else I'll give you for free. You let like D slap our logo on a Jersey. You let, you know, board apes, uh, friends slap their logo on a Jersey. Your merch sales are going to fucking quadruple and people are going to get that more hyped about it because like at the end of the day, you know, we're rooting for D gods as our team, as our brand. And any way that we can show out and show our support for that, like you got a shit ton of degenerates on the internet. They're going to, to do it.
1: I mean, that's like the same thing. Like, you know, there's, there's people who wear Chicago bulls just because they like Chicago, you yeah. know? And, and but, but just so you know, part of the fire tier and what you guys have the right to do straight up is like the apes. We gave people the right to use our IP So, you can do that. You can design um, merch with P gods on it, you know, using the name, you know, the name of the team, the name of the league. And we'll help you, you know, with our manufacturers and, you know, you can sell on fanatics like we do and stuff. And you keep 80% of the profits. So, actually, you know, it's not even like, we're looking to, you know, pimp you guys out for us to make money.
4: Yeah.
1: You know, we, we, want, we want you to go do that because then you guys get rewarded. And, you know, different people in your community, you know, may have different ideas and different designs. Oh, yeah. You know, so, like, go out, make money, do it. And, and I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. And look at it from our standpoint, right? Like merchandising is a big income source, right? But at the end of the day, it's also like promotion and advertisement. Like people, like you know, it's showing off. Like man, I, I'm a D Gods and a big three fan. Like that's big, you know. And you know, and, and, and the killer threes, you know, having that on. We 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 can't do it with with player like player pictures and, oh, yeah. and, and just because it's too complicated, but, but not to say, you know, you guys are getting close to Frank Nitty. Frank mm-hmm. Nitty says, do it. You can do it. You yeah. can definitely use, you know, killer threes and big three. And, you know, we, we want you guys to do that. We want you guys to do that. And if you make money on it, great. Like no issues because that's, see, We're not thinking about how do we squeeze out shit. We're thinking about how do we make the pie bigger? Because I'm telling you, man, I remember when UFC first came out, and it was illegal in most places. And we spent a lot of time talking to Dana White, and we're friends with the owners, the other owners. And, you know, they were the last sport to make it. I man, it's like twenty five years ago minimum. Um, so we studied it. We like, like, okay, how could these guys make it as a sport? It's so hard now, and you know, they. they I mean, look what they did to boxing. And if if the NBA wants to keep fucking with us, then we're going to do to them what the US UFC did to boxing. And let's go. Our games are more exciting, man.
0: Oh yeah. I'm excited for that, man. I dead ass. I'm not a basketball guy. I've fucking said it a million times, but like everything I've heard about this league just makes me very excited to watch some big three games.
1: Dude, we also, you know, at the games themselves, we try to look at it like like a rolling all star game. You know, we have at least three games each time. So that's six teams, and you know the players all love hanging out with each other. Some of them get mad after the games, but you know, um, but mostly these are guys who they've known each other since high school it's crazy you know and you know we have those after parties and you guys be invited to all those yeah. and, and and the guy i'm telling you the players when they see the same people too they get super psyched especially you know you know you guys are off to such a good start and 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 great players man you know so there's a lot to uh there's a lot to do And like the thing With the t-shirts just the beginning Like we're open To anything um, You know Anything that makes sense Man You know I'm we- just fucking
2: hype bro yeah, I'm fucking hype Just for the fucking Killer threes bro <laughs> To just fucking You know Just take the chip, bro That's that's what I'm fucking Hyped for But <laughs> hell yeah Hell <laughs> yeah
3: Oh, I'm sure with like these NFT communities now, like, I mean, yeah, just like you said, the, the t-shirts are going to be just the beginning. You're basically like crowdsourcing all these people that like want to see, you know, their team succeed and like all their ideas and all that stuff. And, you know, we have a vested interest in making it succeed. So I'm sure we don't even know what will come out of it yet, but I'm sure it will be pretty amazing.
1: That's the exciting part. We don't know either. We just want to encourage it and make it, you know, worthwhile. Uh, that's how you know, people were like, "Why would you give away eighty percent?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? We have to keep twenty percent of the net profit. They right. keep eight. So, you know, 20, our twenty percent is found money. Like, maybe they, they'll be pissed at us for keeping twenty because they're, you know, it's it's you got these this community that's all about creativity and doing things, you know, original and stuff and Who knows what's going to come up and who knows what other areas will make sense. You know, something else that was suggested to us is that we, you know, not every game's on CBS, about half the games. So like the other games, instead of licensing it to some bullshit streamer that let, you know, to put out a feed and let the communities take the feed and either just run it on their own socials or their own platforms, or, even do like I don't know if you guys know like the Manning Cast that they do for Monday Night Love Football. the Manning Cast. So what if you did like the a DJ cast? Yeah, a D guy, a DJ pa- pass, and you, oh, you know, man. you like you guys could go on and like do it.
0: I might have to Call- learn about basketball if I'm gonna fucking uh, you know do a, a live stream of these games. But I love that.
1: But You know what? We're gonna be watching every game. You know, you know. Here's the thing, man. You know. That like when the ball goes through the hoop, it's a score, right? You right, know, <laughs> new, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and the thing is, is that you know, you you, you could you could do the broadcast in, in a way that you know that you that your your peeps, your community, want to hear it.
0: Yeah, we can swear and shit. I just got fucking
2: dunked on. Get bodies, a body on the floor, like a body on Mm -hmm. the
0: court. Hell yes, dude. Wow. I, uh, I hope because there, you know, a lot of people obviously, you know, get into NFTs. Uh, you know, they're in crypto, maybe they're not into sports in general. Like, a lot of people were a little skeptical about the move at the beginning. And again, you being the first movers, it was like a basketball team. What the fuck? I think a lot of people. Since Gary Vee hopped on, you know, since some of these other massive NFT projects hopped on, have been like, oh, it's a great idea now. I, I knew it all along. But hopefully the few people out there that are still slightly skeptical are going to be able to listen to this and be as fucking excited as I am about this because it's going to be incredible. When, it, the, when does the season start? Like mid-June, end of June?
1: June 18. June 18. And, uh, yeah, and it's every weekend. Hell yeah, dude!
0: The perfect prelude for football. Let's go,
1: Exactly, man. We're between like the end of basketball and the beginning of football. Yeah, perfect. so it's perfect. You know, perfect. we're not very worried about taking on baseball.
4: <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Can't blame you. boring shit, man. Yeah, you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, talk about a, a old uh, antiquated league. <laughs> um, Slate chapter. Do you boys have any any more questions?
2: Yo, Jeff, I got a question. You know, because uh, you know, I know that you said that you were like plugged into like uh like the news and shit. So uh, you know, I've always been a fan of Cube. You know, I've been listening to a lot of his music lately and shit. You know, so he did this song with uh, uh with Jadakiss are you know it's actually with Lil Jon but you know Jadakiss was on it and Jadakiss yeah word same so Jadakiss said uh a nigga only fear is getting charged with conspiracy right so this question actually relates to law right so I was reading the news today and uh, me and my homies were actually arguing about this shit right so some music artists and other individuals were recently indicted on uh, state RICO conspiracy charges. So my question is, are state RICO charges as deep as federal RICO charges? Are they the same thing? Or does the severity just
1: depend on what state you're in? I mean, first of all, I've got to practice. Well, I am kind of a practicing lawyer. <laughs> okay. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't win about it. I, I don't know about state RICO laws. Like I, I'm barred in uh, – barred means I'm allowed, not not yeah. entered uh, in California. Um, we don't have – t- to my knowledge, you know, we don't have state RICO laws, you know. Yeah,
2: I didn't know there were state RICO laws until I saw the news today.
1: Yeah, R- RICO is a fe- – you know, it's obviously a federal thing. It's also – you know, they used it to get the mob mm-hmm. – um, but then they started expanding it to some other shit that they're really not supposed to. So um, it's a sketch. Sometimes it's sketchy to begin with, um, or, you know. And states, every state is different. So I, I, you know, I'd have to like read the law because sure, sure. But if they if they're if they're charging them with RICO, that means most likely that. They don't know what else to them with. Um, they're trying to, like, hang something over their head, usually. Oh,
0: yeah. I've seen uh, Sons of Anarchy.
1: Yeah. I mean, Rico is, like, a real... It, it, it's an overbroad thing. It's used a lot, you know?
2: Yeah. Just like, yeah. That's why, you know, I was thinking, you know, about like what because that's how Jadakus opened up, like, you know, his verse. He was like, you know, Do we need to preface like, that
0: chapter, like for Spotify reasons by saying that you're black. So you're allowed to read that that song quote
2: (laughs) yeah yeah sure 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 sure, (laughs) but um but yeah bro fucking you know but that's how jadekiss literally opens up like his verse everybody's killing shit Nas goes then JadaKis comes in he said i'm gonna speak clearly because i don't think they're hearing me a nigga only fears getting charged with conspiracy and then you know see this thing like on the news today and that's what i was thinking like you know like dang but for then for one, I mean, it's conspiracy, you know, for RICO, but also it's a state RICO law. And I didn't know that was a thing. So I was like, well, you know what? We got Jeff on the show. So I might as well just, you know, shoot my shot and see if, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I can get some uh, some info. I mean, but it's all good. There though. are a lot
1: of states that have laws that apply to gangs, you know, which is kind of the same idea, Yeah, you know, trying to like, you know, get you for what your whole organization does yeah Mm -hmm. it's a fine line man you know our government goes over it way too much you know all this facts and spying on everybody tapping on you know so i'm not surprised states have their are have their rico laws because they're looking at the feds saying hey that's a good idea yeah yeah exactly we can target people that's Um, why we love
0: web3 you get to be anonymous all right jeff well this has been uh very fun uh it's been a pleasure um you know we're we're just some random guys from the internet so we appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us and uh you know drop some some knowledge on big three on us and and talk a little shit and and have a good time i hope you enjoyed yourself as much as i did
1: i i, ho- I hope uh, i hope i didn't waste everybody's time because hell no Oh, definitely not, bro. No, it was great. Doing, man, I really do. You know, it's uh, this is your world. Cube and I are entering your world, so we appreciate you guys giving us the time of day, and you know, seeing you know what we're doing. Like we're really trying to. We really are in this for the right reasons. This is not a cash and grab, you know, and and you know, Cube started that, you know, with this two. Drops of Trevor Jones the Silly Gabe and we have some other ones coming out, you know, our biggest worry was like, we don't want to be the next celeb to just like, oh, let's go get rich. go get some money on this. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. A, is
3: that, it's apparent that y'all are down with the culture yeah. and kind of been like submersing yourself in it. And you know, it's not just like yeah, dude. One, the, one in of the one of the hoes I follow hey, on
0: Instagram is dropping just a three D NFT of herself in like underwear, <laughs> and if that ain't a cash grab, I don't know what is. So y'all are doing it right.
1: I, I appreciate you guys, man. Like seriously, you know, we're just on the cusp of what all this can be. Oh yeah,
0: the uh, slate chapter. We out.
4: R-